Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast Minisodes. Today's email comes from Sammy. Sammy writes, I grew up in Logan, Utah. I was always told to go on a mission and be the perfect little Molly Mormon. I was supposed to be baptized and marry in the temple. I remember being eight years old and rarely went to church. My mom told me I had to be baptized because they had an image to maintain. I remember feeling confused, but went along with it. When I was going through my baptism interview, the bishop asked me many questions that I didn't know the answer to. My mom sat next to me and whispered the answers in my ear. My parents were what you would call Jack Mormons. They wouldn't go to church, but they would make me especially go to church by myself each week. I remember sitting alone a lot and dreaded being there. I didn't understand why I had to go by myself. I asked my mom one day, and she explained that it was because I would turn out like her if I didn't. I was very upset by that remark. I always thought the world of my mom. She wasn't perfect, but she did a good job at raising us. I continued to go because I didn't hear the end of it if I didn't. I hated going to church, and young women's especially. My ward was very clicky, and they rarely included me. My young women's leaders would post on my Facebook if I missed a week, stating, quote, We missed you. Looking back through Facebook memories, I see it was more often than not they would just post on my timeline instead of reach out directly. I ended up going because they would also bring it up in church, and I remember one leader telling me, quote, You need to prioritize Jesus over your earthly wants. I started going after that because of the Mormon guilt, but I would often sneak out during the activity and go make out with my boyfriend at the time, and he would bring me back about 10 minutes before the activity ended. My friend, who went to the same church but was in a different ward, also had her activities the same nights as me, so I would say that I went to talk to her. Luckily, they never caught on to the real situation. (laughs) When I was 14, I began talking to a bishop's son. I went to a dance and met him there. He was 17. I went to a very Mormon charter school. Okay, pause. I'm trying not to cut in too much in the story, but I feel like I know maybe which charter school this was. (laughs) Anyway, continuing. I remember talking to this boy, and he had asked for nudes. Ugh. Like, and he's 17 and you're 14. Ew. It was the first time I had been asked. I told my friend at school, who also happened to be in his ward, and of course, she told her mom, and then it got back to the bishop, and then my mom. Of course it did. The Mormon gossip, right? The bishop and this boy came over to my house, and we sat on the couch while his dad read the messages between me and this boy. It was so embarrassing. That was the turning point for me when I began losing faith. I dated a 21-year-old when I was 16. He came off his mission after three months due to health problems. During the relationship, he cheated on me, and he would try to get me to soak in his truck with him. Yes, it's a real thing. Ew. He sounds like a winner. (laughs) He told me that he wouldn't marry me unless I was going to church each Sunday and would be temple-worthy. Oh, how ironic that he wanted to quote-unquote break the law of chastity with you, but you had to maintain this image of going to church every Sunday or he wouldn't marry you. Also, he's 21 and you're 16. That's gross. Um, 
Okay, I really tried for this man. He was my first love. I would have done anything, but with my faith dwindling, I couldn't lie to myself. He eventually cheated on me and found a girl that he converted. He still reaches out and tries to talk. I find that troubling since that is very against Mormon standards. I just ignore him now, but I remember thinking that he shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, he shouldn't. He sounds awful, and I feel bad for his wife. <laughs> I took seminary during school. I remember that my teacher was talking about how Hitler himself would never go to hell. That was the day I lost all faith. I thought to myself, how can such an evil person not go to hell? I remember praying after school that day and asking God for a sign that this church was true. I had a feeling that what I was doing wasn't right, and once I said it out loud, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. I stopped going to church entirely at this point. I started skipping seminary as often as I could. Of course, my family began to notice this change in me. I explained what had happened in seminary and was told, Oh well, hell isn't what we presume it to be. It's outer darkness, and that's what they meant by that. I got into a yelling fest with my grandma over this because I said, it doesn't matter, I don't believe in this, and I'm tired of being told to be. Me and my grandma haven't had a close relationship since. Like, this is so sad. It's so sad that this shitty, made-up doctrine gets in the way of families. The thing that the church tries to say they're all about is families. Families are forever. Families can be forever if you follow our rules, but then... What it really does is divide families like this. And also, yeah, you they were trying to um, manipulate you and they weren't telling you the truth of, I mean, it's not the truth because it's all made up, but the, the LDS church teaches that even Hitler will just go to the lowest level of heaven. So he'll be in the celestial level where all the other people who were not quote-unquote good people on the earth, but they'll still be able to get into a level of heaven. The people who are going to outer darkness are people like me and people like you um, who openly speak out, who have once been members and have denied the church and openly speak out against it. They're the ones going to outer darkness. So yeah, apparently according to Mormon doctrine, we're worse than Hitler. (laughs) When I turned 18, I moved in with my boyfriend at the time while still a senior in high school due to family issues. My very Mormon uncle messaged me and told me that, quote, I was a disappointment to this family and God. God would never love someone who's had sex before marriage. Holy shit. I hadn't yet lost my virginity at the time. I was very hurt that he wouldn't listen to my reason for leaving, which was very valid. When I attempted to talk to him about it, he just said that I was a Satan worshiper and didn't deserve to be heard out. I was very heartbroken by that statement and thought that's what everyone must think of me. Um, I've spoken a little bit about this on the podcast. First of all, I'm very sorry that he said that to you, but um, I've spoken a little bit about a similar experience of mine. It was a family member who, um, really similar situation once I moved in with my boyfriend who I'd been with for years, but we moved in and we weren't married and I, um, showed my shoulders and I wore a fake nose ring once. (laughs) One of my Mormon family members messaged me saying that, you know, they weren't comfortable with me being around their children because I was a bad influence and bad influence on their daughter because they didn't want their daughter to 
turn out like me, essentially, and said a lot of other really horrible things. Um, essentially how getting a nose piercing was similar to being addicted to heroin or something. Anyway, point is that I've, I know how that feels, and it's really heartbreaking. It's awful. It's like, oh, they didn't really ever love me for me. All right, she continues. I still live in Utah. For anyone who doesn't know what the standard is here, it's white, bleach blonde, tan Mormon girls that are very girly and quote-unquote clean. I'm the very opposite of that. I have tattoos all over me, dark hair, and a nose piercing. I also wear a lot of anti-Mormon clothing, such as hell was boring, sweatshirts, and such. My family has learned to accept that, and I enjoy being me. I was told that I would never find happiness without the church. I have found the best man ever, my family is closer than ever, and I am true to myself. I don't know what happiness is, if that isn't it. The church took a toll on my mental health for a long time. After seven years, I have finally been able to find that happiness again. I do not regret leaving. It turned out to be the best thing for me. Sammy, thank you so much for this email. I'm so happy that you left as well, and I'm really happy that you have found happiness. I I love hearing from you and from you all. Um, these, these emails are sometimes difficult to read because they are so sad at points and heartbreaking and they're very heavy, but for the most part, they end in a similar way, and that is what I love about it. I love the you found happiness, and it's this happiness that we were told we wouldn't have without the church, and we are proof that that's just not true, right? Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you for writing in Sammy. I look forward to reading all of your emails, and I'll talk to you later.